Shut up and sit down. That's going to wrap it up just for the previews next week. Um, I have no idea which teams are doing next week. Uh, they are written down somewhere. Uh, now, moving on to something that we have promised to do uh, for quite some time. It is just our chat about transformation. And to start it off, I'm going to hand it over to Alex. Because no. I think he knows. Yeah, I feel like you, you have a bit of grasp. Thanks, uh, thanks of where to the start. hospital pass. <laughs> <laughs> um... Well, okay, so let me... Uh, oh yeah, I did not know Adam was going to do that. Uh, I think the reason... I think the reason why it's this week. Well, yeah, let me let me start off yep. by framing it, framing it for why we decided to do it this week. Because we actually originally intended to set aside a specific episode for transformation, a proper, thorough, like, hour and a half just on transformation. And obviously we don't have time for that now because we've done the previews and everything, but we can still have a good convo. But the reason why we are doing it now is because of the news that broke... Um, over the last week or so, with uh, some sort of really tabloid, tabloid-level journalism coming out of South Africa on the back of an interview that Sio Kalisi did with uh, Kyoto News in Japan. So Sio Kalisi was doing an interview with Rich Freeman, who's a, a Japanese rugby media correspondent um, and a great, a great source of Japanese rugby news. And one of the questions that was asked to him was... Uh, with regards to the Nelson Mandela legacy in South Africa and how that kind of corresponds with rugby policies and I suppose politics, the, the, the junction between politics and rugby. And the headlines that everyone was coming out with was, quotation marks, Madiba would not have supported quotas in quotation marks attributed to Sia Khaleesi. So everyone was up in arms. It was very divisive. A lot of there was a whole group of people saying uh, this is bullshit, and Sia is a sellout, and um, and or he or he never said it. You know, it's, it's completely made up. And then also a whole lot of group of people saying, oh, this vindicates the opposition to quotas. The fact that Madiba wouldn't have supported quotas is is just, you know conclusive proof that they are bad, and therefore we should do away with them. And it was just a media shitstorm. I mean, it was all over Twitter. It was all over Facebook. Um, Eusebius McKaiser, I don't know if any of you guys listen to him or even know who he is. He did a... a I make a, a point of listening to him. Yeah. I work very hard to... You make a point of, of, of avoiding him or what? No, because uh, he's, 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 he's oh, just very brave, very bright oak. But sometimes he just picks some people for yeah. the sake of uh, showmanship. Let me put it that way. Yeah, I, he's he's blocked me on Twitter, so I, I don't I don't have to deal with that problem. <laughs> the lions. Yeah, him and the lions. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway. And Cordell Scusson. Yeah. <laughs> he's also blocked. <laughs> yeah, Cordell he's bl- bl- Why is he? Bl- I think he'd take any sort of followers. Like yeah. You would Instagram. So, but, uh, yeah. yeah, I think. Yeah, what happened was I was on a thread where we we pointed out that he looked um, like Craig David, and <laughs> he did not change like a, he's 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 not a fan is, of that comparison. It, this, it, that's like he has to take that with like mm. he and like he has to accept that. That is a very good like. 
the guy made his song with Sting. And there's a lot of things Craig David did. Look, there, there are worse things to be called than Craig David, but I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe yeah, it just yeah. opened, a, maybe it opened an old wound. Maybe that's what you should call him at high school or something. Maybe, it's just, maybe I, I think it's the cornrows, to be honest <laughs> yeah. with you. It's a, a bit outdated, and he yeah. tried to bring I've, I've had a go at him a couple of times, and I just want to know where he gets him down because, like, I don't. Th- I thought they were done. We were all we were done with that phase, but clearly. Anyway, maybe maybe it's not. the same barber as like Elton. So, oh no! Oh no! Oh no! That's that's a that's a very overpaid man, whoever that is, because he is he's he's telling people right. they look nice when they walk out that he's he's barbershop and he's lying. Professionals. Yeah. That's Elton, lying under oath. Elton Yankees is an overpaid rugby player with an underpaid, underpaid barber. All right, so I'm getting off track. So, right, yeah, yeah, that, that is the root of this conversation. Is um, the interview that Sia Khaleesi had <clears> with Rich Freeman, and I don't know if you guys have all gotten around to actually watching the clip yourselves. Um, uh, no. I've, I've watched like all the segments, okay. um, just to give just to give him a fair shake, yeah. and I guess I can give you guys a fair shake as yeah. you you did ask me to uh, come on board uh, just to I guess you know let's let's, let's it's, it's it's something that we don't really know the answers, but some people claim that they know the answers, yeah. but we're only going to know the answers by talking about it like this openly, where we can actually gauge what so what can I learn from this? What can I can I be teachable? Yes. And I always want to make that known that we are all teachable in some way. Like, let's not, let's be fair to the guy and actually look at all the information just before just saying, he's a sellout. Yeah. But yeah, I, I just I think that's a little bit fair. Yeah, I want to always get it right, but let me just yeah. state that. Yeah. No, I think that that's a very important message, and like that, that it's that kind of nuance that was, I feel like was missing, and so often is missing, in the South African rugby, um, kind of uh, circles, like on SA Rugby Twitter or on social media, in the comment section of of websites, people don't have that kind of that balanced approach to obviously very sensitive topics like this, where they. You know, there's nothing wrong with having a strongly, a firmly held opinion about something, but you need to be open to the fact that there's a, there's another perspective to it, and your experience or your the way it's, you've interacted with that might not be the same as someone else's. So that's the bottom line is, you know, you could be wrong, but don't don't be closed off to being to hearing out someone else's yeah. opinion. And even if you don't, care, as, that's, that's the main thing. Yeah, as a re- as, as a recovering nerd all myself. <laughs> I, uh, I I got into a few battles with who was that guy on the group? He was my favorite. He like oh, he, he like private he private misses me. He like wanted uh, to take me to the head. Oh, uh, uh, Fra- yeah, Fraser. He, uh, Fraser, Fraser. He could, no, no, he, he so, could be a listener for we know. Yeah. Like he was passionate yeah. about his causes. They might have been a bit but, like, misguided. He, just started, but he, was he started playing. He started, he started playing the the man. Yeah. Not to the ball, yeah. and I really wanted him to play the ball. I was like, dude, I don't know why you scrolling through my profile as well. Look at my pictures from like ten years ago. Yeah, look. Um, um, to be fair to Fraser, just, just, then, maybe, 
maybe it would help if we could just give uh, for like our overseas listeners, just give a breakdown of how the quota system, how the yeah. target system works, yeah. and and why why it actually why it's necessary in yeah, South Africa. No, no, I'll, I'll do that in a second. I, 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 I just want to say, like in, in yeah. Fraser's defence, um, he does have quite a close friend from Sri Lanka. I was trying to remember what fucking Asian country the guy that, was from. I think that, that, that should count his favor. So. I was sitting there, I was like, I know it's an Asian that, country. That, that, Asian like, country. it was pretty bad, but that, that made it two times worse, which is like, no, I've got a friend from Sri Lanka. Yeah. No, no, he didn't even say that his mates came to his defense and said, no, no, he's got a friend from Sri Lanka. <laughs> yeah, because he'd been, he'd been kicked out of the group by the, by the time that happened. Anyway, okay, um, so back back to the back to the topic. So, sorry, 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 sorry guys, can I can I just uh, uh, I like Sri Lanka, I've been there, it's really nice. Um Yeah. Uh, so, so sorry sorry guys, um I'm sad to miss this, but I'm gonna I'm gonna have to go now. I'm sorry. Okay. Apologize to to the listeners and you guys. Yeah, thanks thanks for coming on, Jim Chan. Perfect timing to leave as well. Just as it's Yo, heating up. Yo, this is like this is what we've been building up to for eight months and now I have yeah. to go. And, yeah, I'm 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 very suspect of this <laughs> movable. Yo, yo, um, yo, can, can I can I also ask that, that no one no one read anything into this please? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Like we've all just brought it I won't tolerate talk of Sri Lankans in my presence, guys. Okay, Enjoy. I look forward to listening to this. Thank you very much. Just get back into it. So, alright, Ben made a good point. We need to explain, first of all, to people listening from outside of South Africa exactly what we understand by the two different terms and it's important to point this out there are two different uh, terms that we're going to use in this conversation the first is transformation and the second one is quotas and a lot of people make the mistake of using them interchangeably and you guys can jump in if you feel like I've got a I've got a skew angle what on about, this. Uh, what about targets that's also a so, word that's uh, yeah targets is, is, a, is a euphemism targets is a euphemism for quotas uh, mm, that's, one that's used a lot now so I just thought just but I think that, to raise that there, point yeah that is a valid distinction but just for the time being so a transformation is a very very broad term and it's not just a rugby term it applies at pretty much every level of, of South African development because what it refers to is is progressive movement towards a more equal and um, equally distributed and more efficient future. So it's taking the the status of a particular industry or company, it can operate on a, a low level like a company, or a team, or in this instance, the entire rugby landscape. So we're talking about not just the Springboks, we're talking about Springboks, Super Rugby, Curry Cup, Vodacom Cup, Varsity Cup, um, club rugby, high school, and even probably junior school rugby. We're talking about every level of rugby in South Africa. We take it as we find it um, at the turning point of democratization since 1994 and over the course of the last two decades. And you oh take God. a step back and ask yourself how representative is rugby of South Africa as a country? And if you're honest with yourself, the answer will be it's not very representative 
we all know that it's traditionally been viewed as a white and particularly Afrikaans sport. And obviously South Africa, in South Africa, white people and particularly Afrikaans people um, are, are a minority. So it's disproportionately representative and that's not seen as a good thing. Transformation in very simple terms refers to trying to bring South African rugby in line with the true nature of South Africa as a country and as a group of people and making it more reflective and more representative of the entire population. Would you guys agree with that definition? Yeah, jeez, dude. Jaja, you said earlier it was, it was prepared. It was very good. Okay. It, was, it wasn't prepared, wait, wait, wait. but I'm, I'm happy for you guys to add in if you think I've missed anything. Um, I'm going to say this. Uh, yeah. I dropped, so I missed like most of that. Oh, okay. Cool. Now, for me, yeah, me uh, just wanted to just make a broader uh, cultural point. Yeah. Um, this for people from outside South Africa about uh, why rugby more so than it's say cricket, for example. Cricket's also had um, had had its um, I guess we would call it history with transformation, but not to quite the same degree or sensitivity as rugby. Rugby, I guess, from a cultural perspective, particularly, uh, I mean, uh, all people in South Africa, particularly within the Afrikaans community, uh, rugby has played a more important role in uh, community life compared to cricket and other activities. So it's just, historically speaking, I'm not talking about current times, uh, it's just it was a game very much embraced by the Afrikaans community. Um, so that's why it's also, it's, maybe it's slightly more sensitive. Also dialed into the history of apartheid and so on and so forth. So I just wanted to, it's a very broad cultural context. It's, it's just right is a bit more sensitive than yeah. any other you, sport. You can Google a lot of this as well, yeah. just for yeah. all the listeners. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and watch, go watch, go watch Invictus if you haven't watched it already. Yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, okay, so, so to get back to the definitions, because um, we can get into the real meat, meat of the conversation. Transformation is the real big picture. It's it's the long-term view towards uh, a more reflective and representative South Africa, uh, Springbok team, ultimately, or rugby, the whole rugby landscape. Quotas, yeah. the yeah. quota system is is a subset of transformation. It's it's a very specific, it refers to a very specific type or mechanism for transformation. So transformation is, is like the end goal and quotas, the quota system is like a means to an end. And quotas are what Adam was referring to just now as targets, where the government, together with South African Rugby Union, have implemented minimum thresholds of rep of representation. So that applies at a Springbok level and at a Super Rugby level and at a, any professional level. I don't think it applies to club rugby. Um, I'm not sure. But basically what happens is that the government comes along and says, you have to have a minimum of x percentage of non-white players in your in your squad and in your match day 23 and sometimes they also um, specify it has to be in the starting lineup so you guys could correct me if i'm wrong i think is it currently 40 percent is that the target um it's 
The target is, I think it's 50, it's 50, yeah. 50%. The, so going, yeah, going into the Rugby World Cup, it's supposed to be okay. 50. Okay. Is it, and is that broken down, I'm sorry, Alex, broken down between, um, let's say, um, uh, non-black, non-white South Africans, yeah. uh, and then just black South Africans? Is there a distinction there too? I, I, I can't, can't quite, quite no, remember. I think, it's, I think it's just players of color, so it's non-white players. Oh, okay. Yeah, there's yeah. no distinction between like, you know, um, Indian or what we refer to itself <coughs> as as coloreds, or yeah. Sorry, you know, it's a very it's a sorry, it's a very local term. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's yeah. very pejorative. Please, yeah, please, it's, it's please also Google if anyone's listening. Yeah, yeah, it's Google a lot of this stuff as well. Sorry, we we, we, yeah. we really not trying to offend anyone. Yeah, yeah, for like, sure. Yeah, if sorry, if, uh, if, yeah, if, if, if by some miracle this episode makes it to America, um, <laughs> please be yeah, assured. I'll, I'll, it's not a it's not a slow. I'll be I'll be a sellout as well. I'll be called a sellout as well. And you guys, you guys better represent me. You see, Mr. Kaiser. Oh, Alex, Alex, I need legal <laughs> aid. <laughs> yeah, so, so that's the thing. So anyway, so it's very simple. 50% of the team must be non-white. 50% can be white. So that's what we talked about with quotas. And um, Sia Khaleesi's point that I understood... Uh, well, actually, hang on. I've been, I've been talking a lot. I don't want this to be a monologue. So I'm, gonna, I'm actually going to throw it across to Jam Jam. And and ask you, man. You you listened to the clip with Sia, so so what do you think he what do you think he was trying to say? Okay, um, can I just start off by saying that um, I am a very big Sia Khaleesi fan. So I'm sure you've you've know you've known this. Um, yeah, we all are. I, 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 since 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 high school, yeah. I've specifically watched him from high school. Um, us being in the same year and being coming from the same city, I was, I was fortunate enough to see his development as a rugby player, and I still think we haven't seen the best of him because he's sort of been thrust into some of uh, these like captain positions where he's not a he's don't get me wrong, it's not that he can't handle it, but he really when him and Scott Berger, if you remember when they were playing together, I don't know if you remember, but I felt that was his that's his. That's his style of play, and that's when he's at his best. And he needs a little bit more of that. But um, back to what we're focusing on, uh, what he actually said, I think uh, it was very unfair of uh, the people who reported on our side, who had watched the clip before the clip became available, to uh, just take that little bit out of what he said. And why I say that is because... um, as you know, I like my American sports references. There's a there's a famous clip of Alan Iverson, who um, who they took one bit of his clip to sum up what he was saying throughout the conversation. And if you look at the whole conversation, if that little clip is not a fair representation at all. But that's all we ever get played. Like even on those like ESPN flashbacks, it's always just that clip. And people's reaction to that clip. So um, I already think it was a little bit unfair. But I also think Sia's point altogether, he could have articulated it a little bit better. And I guess that goes that goes down to the media team, the everyone uh, beforehand who can prepare him for these sort of questions that will be asked. Um, and uh, I think. 
the like once again um, the attack on his family was was I think that was very unfortunate. And uh, if you're talking about transformation, he's he, him and his family have really tried to play a role in trying to make uh, transformation work. And uh, if we're gonna bury a person for trying, um, I think that's a little bit unfair. But um, at the end of the day, I, I'm also open to um, different opinion. I just feel that he was he didn't he didn't articulate fully what he wanted to say, and I think. Literally, I, 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 this is my opinion once again that the ing, the sometimes the English barrier can be a bit of a, a, a I guess a a, a a block for him actually saying fully what he can because I can obviously um I can I can speak and understand Tosa so I've heard him speak on like Parker which is a yes. predominantly uh, Tosa show on uh, Super Sports. Um, and if you just hear him speak Tosa there, and when he gives interviews in Tosa, it's it, it's much more different in English, and that's just home language versus a language that he learned properly in about grade five, six. So um, yeah, I just want to sort of get all those facts across just for anyone listening that there's there's a couple of things that we need to factor in. Um, before like making an opinion and everyone's opinion is valid but also try to get as much information as we can before we just end up bringing his family which I I, I really don't, don't understand the obsession with uh, that one but yeah 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 I mean just to add context to that I don't know if, if it, it, it should it shouldn't be relevant but it is relevant to what Jam Jams has said is that his wife is um, Rachel Khaleesi so she's white and that that seems to be i don't know for some people that seems to be objectionable and like a lot of the abuse because he's not on twitter for example but she is on twitter and she gets a lot of abuse from people on racial lines unfair unfair as well well, very unfair completely yeah unwarranted like un Mm. like illogical It's, it's irrational like why would you hate on someone because they married, like, she's white and she married a black guy who obviously do, they love, they love each other. What I, what I want to know, do, do, do they, do, like, can you wake up every day saying that their relationship and their family situation affects you that much that you yeah. really have to have to have a go at her for every single thing that she does? Yeah. She was not asked, she didn't ask to be, she didn't, she didn't as, as a kid, write down in a diary, my goal is to be um, see a Khaleesi's wife. No, they happen to meet up as any other people yeah. would do if they're in a relationship and take it to the level of marriage. And I just think people need to have a little bit of respect at times when, they, when they're discussing things like that. Yeah, absolutely. But anyway, so yeah, so it's, it's, it's a pretty messy, messy situation. But to get back to the, the real sort of topic is... Um, Sia, for me, what his point, so if you don't know, already know his story, then it's it's a pretty amazing story. He's from, um, is he from Butterworth originally? Um, he, he grew up in P, in Port Elizabeth, but I don't know where his, okay. like, ancestral home is, okay. but he, he grew, he grew up in, uh, Port Elizabeth in yeah. the, in, in one of the poorer locations. Yeah. 
and yeah, he's he's. I I mean I can I can I can give you a bit of insight into that if you if you'd like. Yeah. Uh, just for the fans, quickly, I can give you a summary. So he he grew up in a um, a very very uh, poor uh, background, and uh, the he was able to play. He was introduced to the game of rugby, but um, he didn't have uh, a good should I say uh, setting in terms of. Um, his uh, family, his family was very uh, disjointed. Um, mom, mom and dad weren't really around, and uh, he sort of had to move in between family and relatives and stuff. So um, he, that that obviously played played a role. But then he was he was uh, fortunate enough to be scouted for um, the young uh, Eastern Province Elephants, I guess at the time, uh, slash the Kings now. Um, they upgraded themselves from elephants to kings. Um, yeah, he uh, he was scouted at one of the the Craven Week sort of tournaments, the junior tournaments, uh, by a school called Gray High School, a very well known rugby school, uh, brother school to Gray Bloom in Bloomfield, who obviously like the the front runners of. School uh, producing Springboks or in recent history at least and uh, from when he got to Cray he hit the ground running in grade 7 and uh, he he did some amazing things, two years SA schools yeah. um, he was uh, he was really uh, a standout player for them he also led uh, Eastern Province in his under 16 year um, he, he played a major role in uh, the, the, the Craven Week tournaments that he played in. And uh, like I said, he's a two-time SA Schools player. And uh, for me, he really was special to watch, um, especially when he announced himself in his grade 11 year. He, he played some amazing rugby. And uh, the, the marquee game for them is when they play their brother's school, Great Bloom. I was fortunate enough to be able to lie my way out of watching St. Andrews vs. Marlowe to go watch Great Bloom vs. Great PE. Um, and he, he, that's, that's when he announced himself and said he's, he can actually, he, that's when you can see this guy can take it to the next level. And obviously by that I mean professional and actually have a full career. And I mean, for, to come from that, yeah. the hardship that he's come from, Losing his mother at a young age as well, dad not really in his life, that sort of situation. Yeah. Uh, not not growing up with his other siblings and a lot of the the stuff that he's faced to become Springbok captain in that short space of time is 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 crazy development in my eyes. No, absolutely, and like it's a re- it's a really special story. His, as you say, like he had an absentee father, and um, his dad famously had never watched had never ever watched him play rugby before. And until he got to Buck level. Until he got to Buck level. Amazing. For Sears, Amazing. You, they, his dad had also, his dad had never also been on a plane before. And when Sear was playing his first ever game for the Springboks, he was on the bench. And they were playing, I think, in Bloemfontein. And he, they paid for him, for his dad to fly from the Eastern Cape, from Port Elizabeth to, or East London, I think it was, to Bloemfontein to watch um, Sears debut off the bench. And yeah. again, his dad, his old man, never ever watched him play rugby. Sia came off the bench within the first 15 minutes, I think. Someone got injured. Might have been Scott Berger. Someone got injured. On, on, on a board, sir. On, on a board, board. Got injured. Now, I think you. And he came off the bench. It, it and, was again, 
Was he not at home? Did he see another player at home? Because I feel like that P, that test was in PE against oh. Scotland. Okay, maybe yeah, maybe player. maybe I'm is, wrong. Is it, Sorry, but, but no, no, but I I I do know the first time his dad actually watched him live. That was an event in itself as well. Um, and they did fly him up. You're right. Yeah. But I think that his actual debut debut was off the bench on a board so if I'm, if I'm, that's why I say I'm, I, oh, okay. I'm part of the next year I might get confused I can, yeah, <laughs> yeah the, the, the details are, I'm, uh, I'm, yeah. I'm, for him specifically I've paid a lot of attention to details sure, sorry sure. I, don't know. I, I, defer, I, yeah. I defer to your knowledge absolutely yeah. but anyway yeah. so <laughs> the, reason, the reason we're talking about all of this is because he drew very heavily on his own experiences in this interview about transformation and the point that he was <clears> making was that he was able he was given these opportunities to go to grave to grave PE, where he was exposed to a lot of a lot of small factors that played into where he is today. So, for example, something he talks about is is the role of nutrition, the fact that he at a at a school like grave Blum, uh, grave PE, sorry, he was being fed six meals a day, you know, obviously three main meals and like a lot of food, and he was exposed to very experienced and knowledgeable rugby coaches. And he was able to play, like James James said, he got two years in a row playing SA schools, going to Craven Week and performing in front of scouts and, and uh, other coaches and selectors. If he'd stayed in the environment where he'd, be, he'd grown up in, he might still have made it. He, he might have been someone like Makazola Mapimpi who gets discovered in you know from a township rugby club or something. Or you know a lot of guys who didn't go to those good schools... Uh, you, you do yeah. you do hear those stories, and it's it's a lot of people were criticizing him on Twitter, saying, "Oh, what you you think we have to go to Model C schools to become successful?" And that's not a, that's not his point. His point is that yes, you can make it against all the odds if you grow up and, and live and work in a township. You can make it, but it's not easy. It's not going to be easy. And the fact that people criticized him for that point for me is mind blowing, because it, it, it's it's yeah. I, I, it's it only makes sense. Your facilities are better. It's not saying that he this only only Cray would have been able to develop his talent. No, people that and people don't want to understand that it's not what he's saying. He's saying literally, how would I have gotten six meals? Yeah. That would mean literally his whole community coming together, which is difficult because. They are under tough, tough financial constraints. Yeah. Whereas, excuse me, the, the people who are bringing him into Grey PE can bring him in at a level where he can get access to, like you said, the nutrition, get access to the coaching, the gym techniques, the small things that do are, are an advantage. It's a, there's a reason why it's called an advantage is because you are better placed than someone else, and it's not. No, he he's not saying. That that system is fair. He's saying that it does need to be addressed, yeah. but he also has his opinion to how it needs to be addressed. And it, like, I don't understand how he cannot understand, like, want to talk about that part of it where he's not saying he would never become a speed. He just says it would have been a harder road, which is true. Yeah. It's yeah. it's <laughs> exactly. So so it's social social ills, as as they say. Yeah. It's not. It's not exactly specific to see it. It's just, mm. it's it's unfortunately a situation we have in this country. Yeah, but so this is <clears throat> this is his point. He he 
he's saying in, in this interview that transformation needs to begin at the grassroots level and this is a very common uh, point that people make um, against quotas because <coughs> they, they they see okay the Springboks have been told 50% players of color in the Rugby World Cup squad for 20, 2019 and they turn around and say no 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 we shouldn't have quotas why should we have forced targets at the to- at the highest level we should be uh, focusing on grassroots transformation now that's a false dichotomy obviously it's not yeah. you don't have to just pick one of them right you can yeah. you can do yeah, both. the two aren't mutually exclusive <laughs> not you mutually don't have exclusive. to and like so for people to pretend like every time you add you you put a black player in to the spring box you're taking food out of the mouths of a township rugby player at a high school that's not how it works right they're, they're two sides of the same coin and yeah and that's exactly the yeah. problem is that is that people don't want to deal with the, they, they want it to be out of sight out of mind they want to say spend the money on rugby balls and fields and coaching clinics and and nutrition at a high school level at a junior school level uh, or at a, even at a club level but don't come to the spring box don't change our spring box do it elsewhere it's it's what's known as like a not in my backyard approach a NIMBY approach to <laughs> development and, and transformation and it's it's very short-sighted because again people don't understand that they they actually are two sides of the same coin now i don't know i don't want to speak for you guys and i'm looking forward to hearing what both adam and matt have to say on this um, when i let them get a word in edgeways I personally All don't. Right. Still, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm not a, I'm not a fan of, um, of coerced, or government. Yeah, let's say government coerced um, targets. But what do you mean? I, I don't think that the yeah. government should be saying you need to have 50% black people in the, in the team. Or you're not allowed any international but, tournaments. But I'm only I'm only not a fan of that because I think we should be doing it anyway. I think that the I think that having forty to fifty percent or whatever black players in the team is that is the natural outcome of a proper functioning healthy rugby industry in South Africa. And until we have a healthy functioning rugby industry in South Africa, I think that we need the quotas to get there. So, in other words, we need to get to a point where we don't, we don't need the quotas to still be representative. And until we do get to that point, I think that quotas are a necessary part of that journey. So, in my mind, having a number on a piece of paper that you have to meet is uh, a necessary evil. And I think that in the mm. once, if that if we do if we transform rugby the way we're supposed to including grassroots, including quotas, and including a few other mechanisms, will get to a point where you don't need to be told to have 50% players of color in the team. You can slowly chip away, you can slowly chip away at stuff like the quota system because you will have that natural conveyor belt, but it has to be created yeah. with some tough policies at yeah. times, yeah. So we'll get, we'll get there naturally, we'll get there inevitably, we don't need, we won't, we shouldn't need quotas, but we do need quotas, that's, I know, sorry, I took a long way around to get there, but that, that's the way I feel about it. <laughs> Um, so yeah, um, what do you guys think? Well, I'll, 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 I'll chip in. So I had a different tone of voice because I was just blown away again by your speech. It's like prepared. 
uh, prepared R three three. Sorry. Did you, did you like? <laughs> yeah. I've been rehearsed stuff here. No, 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 no. Uh, <laughs> let me go the rest. <laughs> None of this is rehearsed. None of this is rehearsed. I swear to God. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually, no, I'm, I'm busy, I'm busy I mean, playing, I'm busy playing computer games at the moment. Like that's what I do all of you. All of the record podcast. Uh, so you can tune that and multitask. The trick is, the trick is to go into, auto, into autopilot and then just let your mouth talk while your brain is playing computer games. That's what I do. So, um, go for it, Adam. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, overall, um, well, I, I generally agree uh, with Alex. I think it's just important to note also that it's unfortunately you can't treat South African sport just like sports was generally the argument made by those against uh, targets, quotas, whatever you want to call it, saying, no, you shouldn't get it involved in sport. Sport should remain sport. But in South Africa, nothing is ever black and white. Excuse the irony in, in using that term. Um, everything, everything. In, sorry. You gonna say? Excused. Excused. <laughs> um, yeah, it's. Uh, I think I, I know during the apartheid days, they uh, when they when the boycott against the African sport came out, the the line given. I, I'm probably going to mispronounce it, but it was very much like um, no unequal sport for an unequal society. And South Africa, even today, is still very much an unequal society and still dealing with the structural ramifications uh, of what apartheid did. Even the, even our towns and cities, if any anybody's ever been to South Africa and drives around. Uh, the, the way that the urban planning even took place uh, had the apartheid ideology in mind. And when it comes to rugby, one thing that always, one stat that I know that I noticed, I can't remember when, it's just uh, at Grand Como week level, maybe I think it's under 16 uh, level, then Craven week level, under 18 level, you're generally dealing with quite highly representative teams, but it's the jump from under 18 level towards uh, semi-provincial, um, semi-professional and uh, franchise and provincial level uh, a lot of players of color disappear from those levels. And at, as we speak now, the major rugby unions in South Africa are still run by uh, white South Africans, to put it that way. Mm-hmm. And in certain senses, it's very natural human nature for you to, let's say you have two players, and let's say you're a coach and you culturally identify with one player more than another. Uh, there might be a tendency just to choose that player. It's not exactly an intentional choice. But there's these very subtle ramifications that, that occur every day in South Africa. And I mean, I don't, I don't suffer these things. I'm a white male. Uh, I'm incredibly privileged in my position. So generally my knowledge of this stuff is from what I read. So, uh, personally speaking, it, it's more than just about rugby. It's about, it's about the country as a whole and the South African rugby team beyond just being a rugby team that we hope wins the World Cup. That would be nice. It's been a while. Uh, this is about, it's also about statement about what South Africa is. And, if South Africa, if the, if the Springbok rugby team maybe initially, I'd, I'd like to argue all the players currently in the squad are there on merit. Unfortunately, their name gets tarred somewhat uh, by being a quarter-quota player, uh, going back to what Ashwin Williams has said to Nas Boerts and Nick Mallet on Supersport. Being called a quota player uh, was insulting. He was just stating that they did not earn their place in merit. Um, but firstly speaking, if you don't have players of colour entering the team, how can younger players, people who've never ever played rugby, have someone to look up to to play the game itself. It's a bit of a, it's a vicious circle in a sense. How do you know that you'll be welcome in a team and fit in in a sport if you don't see people that look like you and speak like you and sound like you playing that sport mm-hmm. uh, as well? I mean, being a big cricket fan, the likes of Makai and Tini and Mfineko and Gum, uh, and even lately, Tim Bavuma, they all made very big statements in getting people involved in the game. And the likes of Sia Kalisa, Chester Williams, Kaya Molotana, Onu Kumani, all these sort of guys who are pioneers uh, for Black Rock players at Springbok level 
Um, they've made a major impact that's very difficult to measure, uh, the impact on the country. And for South African rugby to really survive, uh, we, it can't be a minority sport anymore. It really can't. And I believe, personally speaking, if we're able to tap our full population into rugby, we'll be the strongest rugby playing nation on earth, personally speaking. So beyond it being a... Beyond it being a political necessity, I firmly believe in, in targets uh, right now to your point until the point when we don't need them anymore, which what that point looks like, I'm not quite sure. Yeah. <laughs> but that's, but that's, a more, that's a difficult that, difficult. Yeah, let's, get, yes, let's get on the road and go down the journey at least. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's start the journey of that road instead of constantly trying to block it. But can I, can I add a, a point before? Yeah. Um, it, it, just, just quickly. Um, I want to know South African government, the Department of Sports and Recreation, their checks and balances, like, I've never, like, you know, there's usually a state of nation address, and, like, they need to have more of a state of South African sport, like, sort of address, and, like, actually also take a bit of ownership. I don't think they, I think they set these targets, and then they just, like, come back in four years, they're like, oh, we expected it to be done, and you're like, nah, that's not really how it works. It, exactly. You guys also need to actually, I want to see Department of Sports and Recreation at all major rugby tournaments, and they're not just watching and being in the, in the seats of the boosters, actually saying, no, why am I not seeing black players being picked here at the, the whatever franchise it is, I want to name franchises, uh, I don't want to disrespect franchises, but I'm sure y- y- you could be able to get officials in each province to be to say, no, listen, yeah, we don't actually, you guys don't look like you guys are um, listening to anything that we're saying, yeah. we're going to actually crack the whip now. But I, I don't know if I've seen enough of that. I, I, I actually, I think I can actually answer that. I don't, it's, I haven't seen enough of it yeah. actually. No, I, that's, that's I think you've a really good point. And I think that, yeah, it's, that's not, part of the problem. With yeah, that's the, how you. Sorry, go ahead. I'm sure. Yeah, no, sorry, Alex. I think uh, you make a very, very well. Just a copy, Alex. You make an excellent point, Jam Jam. That's in. That's when you get into window dressing. <laughs> players. Who and, and players aren't fools. Players understand when they're being chosen just purely on on the basis of color and not merit, just for the purposes of meeting targets. It's something that has to be nurtured year in, year out, through age group, group level, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And there are shortcuts to it, um, which I guess maybe quite succinctly takes me back to the point. Uh, it's I mean, uh, targets in South African rugby, I believe, are an absolute necessity uh, at this stage beyond a sport. Uh, just from also a practical practical reason, like South African rugby will not be sustainable if it is not a game uh, enjoyed by everybody in the country and does not become yeah. one another of the majority sports, along with football, for example, yeah, in South true. Africa. And, then just from, and just from an ideological perspective, uh, I think it needs to happen as well. Because the South African rugby team means a lot more to everybody than just being a simple rugby team in many ways that the All Blacks do too, which is just a show of, uh, I guess, world pride, small island nation, Best, one of the best sports teams on earth. So just, uh, I guess, to, to round it all up, yes, uh, I believe quotas, targets, whatever you call them, are absolutely necessary. Uh, I think the sausage of how you make them effective is tricky. Uh, I'm not an expert in that, but I think I think this is a jam point in a certain way. It's, it has to be consistently managed. And then maybe one day we will reach that point if we don't even think about it anymore. Like now, exactly. I, I can say happily so, is that when the Springbok team is picked, I'm not really thinking about it all that much. Unfortunately, people raise it. Uh, but as I said, all the players currently in the team 
uh, their merit. And on, and just a final point, just on Rassi Rassis in particular, at least he's been very open about it, uh, more open than previous coaches in the past, at least uh, by comparison, which helps. Uh, people are just talking about the straightforward view. Instead of it being cloak and dagger stuff like you follow South African cricket, the Justin Ontong incident back in 2002, mm. the Jacques Ruloff damaged the game for years and years and years, even in 2015, um, the semi-final. Uh, like South Africans aren't dumb. Uh, I think if you just dealt people with dealt with open cards, you don't get it. We're not fools. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's it's necessary. It's just unfortunately, it's I just to say Matt does. Um, it's just a highly and understandably emotional subject. Yeah. So uh, yeah, that, those are just my thoughts on the matter. Anyway, um, I've got a couple more things to add, but Matt, you haven't said anything yet. Do you want to do you want to chip in? Oh, no. At this point, I'm just echoing what you guys are saying. I mean, you guys are saying, like, like I said, what Adam said as well as a point is there's an inspirational value to having guys of of color that you can look up to playing, and that one is one of the ne- like almost one of the necessary pluses or bonuses of of having quota goals in the team and that and what you've been saying about how both sides of the, the same coin you have to be doing transformation and quote grassroots transformation and having guys having guys playing at the top level at the same time you can't you can't have one hand it's a, it's a cycle it's you can't have one hand without the other and yeah so I mean, yeah, I'm quiet because there's not really much for me to add at this point. I mean, no. you guys are covering pretty much everything. Oh, fine. I mean, yeah, don't feel pressurized to say anything. But I yeah. Feel free <laughs> yeah, to jump in. Uh, don't worry. Uh, do with the more Twitter followers. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah uh, my Insta stories like, are very interesting, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, so like what, yeah, you, you just echoed something I said earlier, which um, brought me around to, I think, quite a handy metaphor. So the, with the quotas and transformation being two sides of the same coin, what it actually puts me in mind of, now that we've been talking about it, um, it's just, it maybe sounds like a bit of a weird um, analogy, but... The Asian tiger economies in Southeast Asia that um, saw a lot of economic resurgence in sort of towards the end of the 20th century. Um, sorry, and I know this is totally off the beaten track with the rugby podcast, but bear with me. The success Alex going off the beaten track. <laughs> the, su- the success that, that, that those economies saw um, and has gotten to the point where they are now as strong economies is, and if there's any economists listening to this, I apologize for my faulty knowledge. I'm sure this is all wrong. I remember it from undergrad. Essentially, they started off with um, a package of both subsidies and tariffs for their economy. So tariffs, meaning that they they charged, um, they disincentivized other countries from importing to them because they had to pay tariffs. So that was the one thing. The other thing they did was they subsidized local um, producers to make them more competitive with regards to competing with importers and to with, with, with regards to exporting themselves. So they had a package of both subsidies and tariffs, which modern econ- economics tells you is bad because it's government distortion and you, should be protect- you shouldn't be protecting your markets. You should be engaging in free market capitalism. But what mm-hmm. they did was, as time went on, they phased out the subsidies. So what they did with the stimulus package, they got their local companies to the point where they could compete with foreign companies. Once they were strong enough to compete and they had that advantage, or they were on the level playing field, they took away the government support and said, cool, 
now you guys must must compete on your own and they kept in the tariffs for a short time which meant that they could they were protected in the local economy but they were on their own in terms of exporting and then eventually once the local economy was stable and um, reached equilibrium they took away the tariffs as well so they ended up at a point where they have free markets there's no government protectionism whatsoever but their local producers are strong enough to dominate the local economy and to actually compete overseas the reason I talk you about this is the context Samsung, Huawei uh, <laughs> yeah. some of the, some of the really Korea with Samsung yeah. uh, China with uh, Huawei those, those, that's literally them dominating the local market for a while yes. and then yeah. saying okay we actually reached our targets now we can actually take it international and as you can see Samsung has been doing it for years Exactly, yeah. and that's that's yeah. the same kind of logic that I think we need to apply to transformation in South African rugby. I see transformation in the broader sense, a gr let's say grassroots development, making sure that mm -hmm. um, a township school gets the same level of rugby resources, same level of rugby opportunities as grade PE. I see that as tariffs. I see that mm -hmm. as, as making sure that um, those big big companies can't dominate the market and you're saying to them you know we um, you don't have to come from a traditional strength rugby school to be able to compete we're actually going to not dis not disadvantage them but we're going to level the, level the playing field essentially that's what I see tariffs is doing it, level, it levels the playing field but at the same time you need subsidies you need to take players who are coming out of those schools anyway, even before the tariffs have had their impact, and you need to give them a, a step up, you need to give them a boost to get them to the same, to get them into the market. And <coughs> over the course of time, once, and I think we, I think we're getting very close to that point, by the way, because I think we have an enormous amount of black talent in rugby at the moment, more so than we've ever had previously. But more importantly, it's being recognized by coaches and selectors. And I think we're getting very close to the point where we can do away with quotas, do away with the subsidies, and rather focus on the tariff side of things, being giving giving non-white players proper selection, giving them a fair shot at making teams, giving them equal resources, etc., etc. And we fa we have a phase-out approach where we do away with quotas first, then we do away with transformation or not transformation, um, sort of development next. This is now long term, like 50 years time maybe. But we end up at a point where the rugby market is has an equilibrium, and it doesn't matter that you you, you come from a, a township or a school that historically was not able to compete in terms of rugby, but in the future we have an, uh, a market where everyone can compete equally, and it doesn't matter. So we shouldn't see quotas as a permanent feature in South African rugby. We should see it as a stepping stone to a system where people can get a fair shake and be selected on merit alone. But we also need to acknowledge that we're not at that po at that point yet, because that isn't happening. And there is still bias in, in the way people get selected. Um, yeah. That's true. Uh, can, 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 I, can I just say that, I want to say that, um, imagine if, like I said, people did take it like seriously, and I'm talking about from government and also just from the rugby, right, from SA rugby in general, um, you you are right. You said there are a lot of black players at the moment in Super Rugby teams and playing in the Pro 14 with the Kings and uh, Cheaters etc. And um, 
that's that, and that's not from I don't uh, I hello Ooh, Janja, you're breaking up. No, it's oh. just you're gonna have to wait for this port to finish. Right? It ops, it ops Wi-Fi, guys. You went fully cyborg on us for a minute there. Yeah, you're yeah, up internet. Like, poor connection. It says poor connection. It's still poor. Uh, no, it's fine. It's better now. So you guys must be my king's speech. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah. I don't want to repeat it. It was. It was. <laughs> Can you summarize this for us? I think this is going to be the nicest of this fucking episode. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah, this is, we do apologize for the technical interference. Uh, too um, close to home. That's yeah. why. I think. Yeah. Okay, so can I? Can I maybe? I think we're gonna wrap this up for the next couple of minutes. Yeah. Can I maybe suggest yeah, yeah. like uh, an alternative way forward that South African rugby should be taking, or a, a, a different yeah. approach? I think that yeah. a big part of the problem is we got this top-down government Saru authority that is being imposed upon rugby clubs and teams and i think that a lot of the the resentment stems from that the nature of that relationship and the fact that coaches are kind of or unions are kind of told or it's strongly implied that if you don't meet these targets you're not going to get any money from sorry you might get fired and there's a lot of resentment and a lot of coaches resent and are bitter about the fact that they have to basically meet this national standard that's been imposed across the board irrespective of, of context I think that what needs to happen is that there needs to be more constructive engagement so there needs to be a, an annual meeting between the Ministry of Sport and Recreation SARU and each one of the unions and I, I don't just mean uh, the franchises. I also mean like Boyland Cavaliers and Border Bulldogs, you know, Southwest District Eagles, all of the teams. There needs to be a direct liaison from Saru and from the ministry that deals with each of these teams. And they sit down and they say, okay, what is the transformation plan for this, for this club? <clears throat> what is your situation? What is, like, what are the demographics in... You know, for the border bulldogs, as opposed to you know, free state cheaters, for example. What do you think? Like, what are you? What's your representation like currently? Do you feel that's good enough? Can you do better? And then, how? Like, what do you think is achievable in the next year? So, the free state cheaters might say, "Look, it's it's tough for us. Like, we we have the, one of the best I, 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 I think... in, in South Africa in, in terms of Grey Bloom, and it's really difficult for us to to ignore a player who's coming out of first team Grey Bloom." And you know, drop him for a, a player that no, maybe no one or very few people have heard of. Blah blah blah. And then you can say, okay, well, that's I understand that, but you also need to understand that Grey Bloom's not the only school in, the, in this province. So let's think of ways for you to integrate your team with the rest of, of of Free State. Even if you can't pick a player right now, you need to have like a slush fund to one side where you identify promising players that get, you can pay for them to get a rugby scholarship to go to Shimlas. And let them play a year or two in Varsity Cup 
and then you you'll be able to point to your supporters and say look guys this guy's just as good as the the head boy from Grey Bloom from two years ago he's now getting the player that rocks in in in, in varsity cup we have to pick him for the free state cheaters you know or whatever the case may be you come up with a game plan that is specifically suited to your franchise and you come up with with targets that you set that aren't imposed on you by government and then progressively you say okay cool you guys can only do 25 percent players of color this year okay that's realistic but then next year we need 30 percent from you and by 2021 yeah. you've got to be at 55 percent because we need to we need yeah. to start yeah. seeing progress from you guys yeah it can't just be a spike out of nowhere yeah, yeah. um 50 50 50 is i like and without telling us how to get to 50 as well is also i i, I don't think it's fair on mm. Uh, a lot of people involved in rugby because you put 50% in a very short space of time and uh, it always makes me think does Alistair Katia also have a tell-all book that he can maybe write and just maybe explain some of some some of those pressures that he was and I feel like he was he was he was just he was thrown into the deep end and I I, I I don't know. It, it could it could be something he never wants to talk about yeah. for himself personally or fully engage with. And I and I fully understand why yeah. if he chose not to. But um, at the same time, I think we could tap into his knowledge just to understand, like Alice, what were some of the difficulties in being told to accelerate mm. a program that's been neglected essentially and that's been neglected at the highest level. Yeah. And then just to be told to win, uh, um, maintain the Springbok culture, and 50% all in one, like yeah. in like two years, that's that's pretty unfair. It's not, it's <laughs> like, I, 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 feel, I, I feel sorry for him at times. I really do. I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that, that, and that's kind of I my point. Is that I don't think that I don't think that the minister, the Ministry of Sport, and I don't think Saru set these quotas or these, these targets in good faith. I don't think that they have the agenda that they say they have where they're like, no, 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 we, we genuinely think that we're going to see 50% Black Springboks winning the World Cup next year. You know, we're confident that these quotas will not be a problem. I think that they know that it's a problem and they, they're overestimating it because for them it's a win-win. Either the coaches do what they say or they don't. And... If they do what they say, then they can be like, yeah, we, we transform South African rugby, you know, vote for us again, for example. If they don't, if they fail to meet those targets, then they could turn around and be like, ah, oh, guys, rugby is still captured by, you know, um, white Afrikaners, and we, the government, did everything we could to transform it. it you know, they, they are the problem, not us. If they really care about transforming rugby, then they'll sit down with these guys, with the, you know, the managers for all these teams, and say to them, guys, what's it going to take from us? to get you on the same page. What do you need from Saru to meet these targets? What are realistic targets? And, 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 and there has been engagement like that, but um, let's, be, let's be honest as, as, uh, and let's give an honest opinion. Hmm. It's the, the delivery. You know, we, it, it's, it's throughout South Africa, even in corporate, so the delivery at the end of the day is... It's fine to have these conversations and these fancy meetings and these fancy um, gala dinners, but if there's no checkups and no one yeah. actually 
being paid, like given the proper resources to make the change. Yeah. It's very unfair to expect it to happen. Yeah. Just naturally. I think, yeah, there needs to be there needs to be some form of accountability. Uh, certainly, I think in terms of uh, where the buck stops in this. Um, actually, we've been going for quite some time now. Okay. I think we should uh, wrap up. I think it's been a very informative conversation, yeah. uh, I must say. Uh, just a final thought, uh, a thought, I guess, of everyone. Starting with Matt, he's been very quiet. I feel like you'd be oh. busy doing a poiki, poiki or something like that. You've been very quiet. <laughs> I'm just listening. Branch, branch prep. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Well, well, well yeah, just a final thought then, maybe, Matt, from you. Since clearly you've been listening the most, often that means the person who speaks the least, there's a Chinese proverb of a the person who speaks the least uh, holds the most power. You, you've said you've, you've said very little. Listening, so it was just your final thoughts, just maybe on transformation, uh, I guess, just to wrap up yeah, this I'm episode. Just on, on every, especially that comment that Alex made on the Ministry of Sport, like it's almost like they appear to be doing quotas in bad faith. It always feels like whenever we hear the word Rugby World Cup and we sort of see that 24-month, countdown start then ministry of sports like all of a sudden remembers oh fuck yeah we actually have something to aim for now you never hear fuck all from ministry i promise you listen now <laughs> the, 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 from 2020 and 2021 you're not going to hear ministry of sports say fuck all about quotas in rugby yeah. 20 near the end of 2022 or near this end of 2021, start of 2022, you're going to be all of a sudden, ah, oh, here's, here's the new goal, and you guys are clearly short. I mean, remember when old Minister Rasmataz popped mm-hmm. up and said, you know what, all of these sports are, sh- are shit at transmutation, right, transformation, yeah. and none of them are allowed to do international tournaments anymore. Yeah. And I mean, that was like a bullshit comment, uh, or not, a, look, one, he did have a point, but he literally just came out of the middle of nowhere and just said, look, guys, we're just removing the one reason why you'd be using quotas in the first place and trying to strive for transformation and yeah. just getting rid of that one incentive we actually have or you guys have. Yeah. And, we would, so. and he was he was also partying with Floyd Mayweather, which makes that does <laughs> not as 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 anti transformation as he get. Yeah. Him going to him to go watch Floyd Mayweather fights has absolutely nothing to do with that 50% target that he yeah. said. Yeah, yeah I, I, I really don't see how the two match up. <laughs> but yeah, like I said, so, so yeah, get it to the election yet, Matt. Oh, fuck, yeah, no, exactly, sorry. Yeah. So, why does rugby always seem to wow. coincide with an election year? Fuck. Is, <laughs> is that, is that, do you think, do you think that's a coincidence or <laughs> it's just like, let's have all our bases, let's have all our bases covered in election year and just look into rugby <laughs> yeah, see if yeah. we can just, you know, get a percentage or two. The sellouts like myself um, <laughs> can be swayed by it. <laughs> that's just my one thought that, that sort of went, that comment Alex made about, you know, in bad faith. And yeah. it's always something that you always see that, like, you never, it's nothing, nothing, nothing. And now, like with Alistair, with Tutti, he was what, two, three, yeah. He yeah. also that he was he was sort of behind the scenes like pushed around and all that and then right when the shit started coming around then Minister of Sport jumps out and says no actually you're the goals yeah and you're like why is that yeah so I guess my my final summary of everything my take home message I guess is I want to see more from the authorities in terms of real meaningful uh, transformation 
that is that has long-term benefits and i want to see the unions coming on board i want to see western province or stormers you know publicizing and like tweeting about like guys this is our plan for transformation we're going to be open and honest about it you know we this is what we aim to do this is how much money we're putting into clinics or whatever so i wanted to both part both parties need to come on board that's the one thing and then the second thing is i think we, we need to get to a future we need to get to a situation where quotas are, are neither needed nor like even considered because not one player in the south african team currently doesn't deserve to be there not one yeah and no one for, for anyone but like but but there are people out there who still will say see if Khaleesi's a quota player and oh, God, yeah. you know like jam jab says like in no one who saw him saw him play at gray pe or for eastern province or for sa schools or for western province or for the stormers or for the Springboks can can say that they that he's a quota player like that's it's it's ridiculous it's outrageous and if if we can get to a point where we don't need to have that doubt then i think it'll help a lot um also i want to add that for every player because they have i i do believe that there have been quotas in the springbok rugby team in the past i think there have been players yeah. of color who didn't who were yeah, not the best players in their position that were there for that reason but and i i think this is a point that needs to be made very clear for every player of color that was that has been in the Springboks uh, team, because they were black, there has been at least one player in the Springbok team who was there because they were white. Look, there were like sixty years of an entire squad who was yeah, there just I, because I, they I'm, were I'm white. Talking, <laughs> I'm just talking about <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. I'm just talking about the modern but game. Yeah, I'm, talking, yes. I'm talking about the last fifteen fifteen years. Some, I'm talking some, about some guys nice, like some nice butter. Yeah, yeah. Bit of nice butter. No sure. <laughs> Sure, but like I, I'm talking about professional era. I'm talking about the last. Yeah, 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 no, 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 like, no, no. I was just making a cheap joke. Guys like guys like Dion, <laughs> Steph, De, Dion Stephman or whatever, like, you know, like Dean Kraling. Dean Kraling. There, there's a lot of there's oh, a lot of very that, very average that, white players. A, I think that could be us. That could be quota. That could be one of the, like that. Dean Kraling could be a quota in some. Yeah, circles. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he, and, that, and that's he, the thing is that he could coaches... be one. He could be one sixteenth something. Yeah. One sixteenth, yeah. black maybe. I don't know. We can, <laughs> we can do yeah. the research. But it goes, <laughs> it goes back to what Adam said: is that there's, it's a cultural. It's not just racial; it's also cultural. And I can understand. Yeah. And I can understand why a coach like Heineken Mayer, he he he's more comfortable with a very average rugby player in the form of Dion Stechman, who who you know um, is polite and calls him Urm. And does what he's told, and goes to church on Sundays. Doesn't Dion, have like, tattoos. Yeah, no tattoos. Great. That's Dion, That's like Heineken Mayer's dream captain for the Blue Bulls, basically. That is really. Where, and then you get a player it's coming. It's like a factory. Yeah, and it, or you, factory. you you get a guy like Elton Jenkins who's got like a a dangerous haircut, and he's got tattoos all over him, and he, you know, he doesn't call you yes worm or yes sir or whatever. Maybe I don't know. Maybe he does, but you know, it's. I reckon he does. You think so? <laughs> Yeah, there is, like I think I think if I can just just chime in a little bit, just so we don't take it too far, um, <laughs> just time-wise, yeah. I'm thinking. Um, we long I think. That point. <laughs> I th- yeah, I, I think to be honest, um, it, it it that that's a, that's actually a very good point to sort of uh, finish off with, is that I think Alton Yanchi's just wants to be treated the same as Dion Stephan, hmm. and respect that <laughs> respect that he. Res- 
okay, Miyab, it, it, it sounded it sounded better in my head. Just thinking about it is pretty messed up. I, I, I take, I, are they take bags in the group? <laughs> no, 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 look, it's an incredibly valid point, especially choosing yeah. Dion Stuckman. Yeah. Uh, we've thought of Dion Stuckman well done, actually, because he, he, like, he looks like you could play him, you could ask him to start at wing and he will do his research and make sure that on Monday, Heineken Mayer has a wing or he'll be fine. <laughs> he'll find a way to do it. Die trying. He, he'll, he'll get the job done and die trying as 50 Cent would say. <laughs> um, and, <laughs> but yeah, I, 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 I'm back on the comparison. I think the you must just, you have to also as Heineken Mayer open yourself up and understand that the two cannot come like the two genuinely don't come from the same background. They had different upbringings, and that may that is influenced by the past. Just give Alton a fair shake, or at least uh, make the attempt to understand what is um, what 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 is outside of what his comfort zone is as Heineken Mayer. Heineken Mayer has to step out of his comfort zone. Yeah. Same way um, Alton is by just. Uh, having his hair cut and that's that's he's he's entitled to have those you know things about him and you must maybe understand who his influences were as a kid where he grew up instead of just thinking about what you know and that's just the standard you know yeah for sure uh, all right well i guess my my final thoughts very brief is just yeah i think authorities uh they just need to be consistent play open cards to the public because Africans were not stupid <laughs> and also just not have a uh, transformation kind of like Matt was saying it just can't suddenly suddenly become important and something to be done about it yeah. without there being consistent build up with it as as I mentioned a little bit earlier Rassi Erasmus um, and it appears in the Springbok setup they play open cards with it they chat about it they know it's reality and they de- deal with it and they get on with the job so I just think the as long as everybody is communicating and open and honest about it and uh, at least taking a semi-long-term view, uh, I don't know, when it comes to bureaucracy, I'm always worried <laughs> if we don't make it to the long term, then we yeah. should be okay. That's the, uh, that's all. So, um, yeah, uh, that's it. Uh, Oaks, thank, thank you very much. I think that's probably one of the most informative, professional, uh, and mature discussions. Yeah. We've ever had, and, uh, and there was a lot more we could have said. Brought, as well. brought to you by Jam Jam Productions. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, and um, also, where's, where, do you, where are the checks? What, 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 where can I say the check must go to? Uh, um, for a charity, you can, a charity yeah. of your choice. <laughs> this yeah. little uh, cameo uh, appearance. The, the charity <laughs> of my choice is uh, Caprice. It's a club in uh, Caps Bay. It's. Uh, it's a it's a rugby club of some sort and uh, very focused on developing yeah. <laughs> relations amongst each other. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Jam Jam, thank you. Yeah, but thanks, thanks for having me. Thanks for having me, Jess. I really appreciate it. And yeah, please uh, uh, call again and Absolutely. don't blue me. Well, one day I follow online yeah. episode. Uh, all the Lions fans, we, we can have an episode. Everybody else, like, they can get screwed. So uh, yeah. maybe we can have that. We can have a, yeah, a two-man chat. Very, 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 very open about how yeah. we just back Lions and not everyone wrote us <laughs> off and yeah. how um, our current eighth man wears a durag. 
I'm a, uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Durags, but Daimani, he's, um, he I don't know why, he, he wears a Durag on off days, so mm-hmm. at least it's not to work. Yeah, okay. uh, I, 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 I have tried to reach out to him about it, but it's, I guess it's a Craig David Scorsan thing where it's mind your own, a bit of mind your own business, Jam Jam, and stay in your lane, please, thank you. And he's, <laughs> I earned that. He's earned that. I shook hands with with Daimani uh, not too long ago. That guy has the biggest mm-hmm. fucking hands I've ever seen. Like he's 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 scary. Another reason. Another reason. I, yeah. Another reason why I toned it down on the Durag jokes. Um, <laughs> these guys can really hurt you. Yeah, I, that's yeah, why yeah. I, I like even now. That's why I I think it's good that you guys gave me so much time to get to this point because. There's some really heavy hitters like Kitschoff and stuff. They can, if I like had to bring up anything negative about him and I see him, I'd have to walk the other way quickly. <laughs> and he'd probably catch up to me and ask me why I've been talking shit about him on the podcast. And I'd be like, hey, do what you must. <laughs> Let's get yeah. this show on the road. Hit, hit um, me where it doesn't, it won't hurt the most. That's why we normally, <laughs> we, that's why we normally yeah. target the Sharks players because none of us live, live in KZN, yeah. so we're normally quite safe. Yeah. Yeah, no, we say thank you. Anyway, thanks, thanks, thanks. Thanks, Cheers. Signing out. Yeah, cool. Thank you. Much love. Thank you very much. Thanks to everyone listening as well. Cheers. Yes. Cool. Right. We are